This morning we hear our Lord give us what we have come to call the golden rule. Just as you want men to do to you, you also do them likewise. This is basic good advice. Treat others like you want to be treated. In fact, this bit of advice, we can find it not just on the lips of our Lord, but we can find it on the lips of Marcus Aurelius, Seneca, Socrates, Plato. I didn't look much further. Those are typically where I would go to look first. You can find, I'm sure, Confucius, right? So the golden rule is something that humanity, man, has discovered, lives by, knows. You know, I have noticed Stoicism specifically, this is Marcus Aurelius, Seneca, and others, has made a massive comeback in the recent years. Uh, there's something about Instagram or memes that Stoicism, I think, gives itself over to, little pithy statements that you can live your life by. This almost sounds exactly like little uh, wisps of uh, life hacks, right? Here's a little bit of advice. I've condensed it down into a sentence. I can put it with a nice meme, or I can do a little minute video, you know, some reel or something on Instagram, Get build up my base because I'm publishing a book, etc., etc. Stoicism has come full circle. It used to be very popular even in the Renaissance and the early modern Europe, but now it's coming back strong. Why is it so popular? Well, who doesn't like hacks for life or maybe self-help philosophy? Just look at a bookstore, if you can find an open bookstore now, uh, for the modern self-help section. I guess that's now just the internet in general with social media. But Stoicism, for many, what is going on is a help for mental health, how to live your best life, how to uh, live freely, uh, in control, to get the most out of things. It's also very attractive because Stoicism, you don't need God, right? You can do all of these bits of wisdom and there's no reference to God. And it also makes you look kind of cool that you're into philosophy, uh, ancient philosophy especially, uh, that you like to read, uh, you know, an old Roman emperor uh, who in his free time contemplated things. This, we, we like these kind of things. Wisdom that is found in the world the church has always been open to. The Proverbs of the Old Testament and the wisdom literature has much in it that you can find scattered throughout the entire world. From someone like Confucius to Hinduism, Buddhism. Uh, I'm sure even if you looked into Native American or other religious and wisdom traditions, you will find aspects of these things. It's basic good advice to treat other people like you want to be treated. In fact, much of the Sermon on the Mount that our Lord gives, rabbis at the time said very similar things, if not the same things that our Lord said on the Sermon on the Mount. But we don't, of course, expect this because much of the Sermon on the Mount is him going back to the Old Testament, 
bringing it forward and saying, here, look at the Beatitudes. They're almost all specific references to Psalms, Proverbs, to basic themes from Scripture. So what's the difference between Christ and Plato, Christ and the rabbis, Christ and wisdom found in the Buddha or Hinduism or Jordan Peterson or Freud or just name whoever it is that you want to put yourself before and learn from. At the heart of this is the question, who is Jesus? And why does it matter what he says? Especially if it seems like you can find what he, some of what he says elsewhere. There's a recent survey, and this is specifically for evangelicals, that was sent out by an evangelical uh, ministry. And they asked some very specific questions. They were actually alarmed at the responses that they got. So, here's two of the responses. They were asked, Is Jesus created by God? Do you agree with the statement, Jesus is the first and greatest being created by God? Is Jesus the first and greatest being created by God? Yay, thank you. Good. Well, 73% of evangelicals who responded to this poll said, yes, Jesus is the first and greatest being created by God. Oops, right. (laughs) Here's the next one. Jesus was a great teacher, but he was not God. This is a little bit more like you'd be thinking like, all right, like kid pitching, right? Like, I'm going to lob you the ball. You should be able to knock this out of the park. 43% affirmed that Jesus was a great teacher, but he was not God. These are evangelicals. Like, this is what we are told uh, or our experience. Evangelicals. Maybe liberal mainline Protestant denomination. Maybe people just on the street who maybe had some experience with Christianity. But Jesus was created by God. Jesus was a great teacher, but he was not God. An Orthodox priest friend actually shared this, uh, the results of this survey, and he was flabbergasted. He was like, what is going on? And he kind of like, well, we're Orthodox. Like, we don't have this problem. Well, another priest piped up and said, you know, I was at summer camp uh, this past summer. I, I think you might need to uh, rethink this. And the other priest is like, okay, well, I guess... Well, this is also part of the reason for the sermon, right? To make sure we're all on the same page, right? Jesus Christ was not created by God. He's not the first and greatest being. He's not an angel. He's not some moral figure. He's not just a great teacher or merely a great teacher. He's God. We make this clear and it's very, if you pay attention to the liturgy, if you sing the creed, with us. There's a whole article of the creed. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Him being the Son of God does not, do not think Father, Son in human terms, right? He's not uh, born like we are from his Father. He's unoriginate. Uh, sorry, he is begotten, not unoriginate. That's the Father. He is the only begotten. He's begotten of the Father before all ages. 
light of light, true God of true God. So he's God. He's begotten. He's not made. He's of one essence with the Father, by whom all things were made. Light from light, true God of true God. He's not made. He's not created by God the Father. He's begotten. And the fathers talk about, if you want to understand what begotten is, it's basically a word that we're using in order to mask a mystery. We don't fully understand it. What we do know is that Jesus Christ is God, fully, consubstantially, one of one essence with the Father. I think probably maybe the easiest way to think about this is what St. Athanasius, in arguing with Arius, because all of this is Arianism, this is the teaching of Arius. Jesus is a created being. Jesus uh, was a great teacher, but he's a, not God. He's a step down. St. Athanasius says there is never a time when he was not. Jesus Christ has always existed. There was not a time before Jesus. So let's return to the question. What difference is the golden rule for us when Christ pronounces it? I think we can see the importance of this, especially as we read the rest of the pericope this morning. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For sinners do the same thing. If you lend, so we're getting a little more uh, tangible here. If you lend to those whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? For sinners lend to sinners, and they expect to receive as much back. Maybe with some interest, right? But our Lord says, love your enemies, do good, and lend hoping for nothing in return. Hoping for nothing in return. Not like maybe that'll happen, but you hope that nothing is given in return. And your reward will be great. You'll be sons of the Most High. For he, God, is kind to the unthankful and evil. Therefore, be merciful, just as your Father also is merciful. The golden rule on the lips of our God, become man, is not just uh, asking us to observe this life hack, this uh, little bit of wisdom. He's calling us to imitate God, to be as merciful as, as the Father is merciful. For the Christian faith in Jesus Christ as God, this is the God-man speaking to us, elevates this golden rule by revealing to us who we are, that we're made in the image of God, we are to imitate God. It also reveals to us who God is. We know this because we see, and this is what the Christian teaching, what the councils of the church and what is enshrined for us as Orthodox Christians, that when we look at the face of Jesus Christ, we know God the Father. There's not a question about who God is and what he's like, because we see him in his express image, in his word that he gave to us, Jesus. 
Jesus elevates the golden rule by revealing to us how we can have full communion with the Father and Creator of the universe. As our Lord says, to become the sons of the Most High. This is not a life hack. <laughs> this isn't just wisdom. Because this wisdom, do unto others as, uh, as you would like them to do to you, once you have an enemy, the game changes a little bit. Once there's strife, once there's friction, once there's actually something on the line, you might go back to that wisdom and say, thank you, Seneca, now it's time for war. <laughs> because I'm not being treated the way that I want to be treated. But when we hear this on the lips of the crucified God, when we see that heaven is infused into this commandment, it's not just a little bit of wisdom, but it is the commandment from God that gives life, that rewards us with eternal life, with communion with God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's a wholly different thing. It matters who Jesus Christ is. He's not just a teacher. He's not a created being. He is true God of true God. The golden rule itself, as we live it out and live into it fully in imitation of God the Father, it becomes for us the cross, but also the resurrection. To love those who hate us, to do good to those who do not do good to us. To give and receive nothing back. How can we do this? <laughs> it's not just wisdom. It is divine wisdom. How can we love? How can we do good and give with the perspective of eternity? Well, this ties into one of the other heresies that were detected in this survey. Do you uh, affirm this statement? The Holy Spirit is a force, but is not a personal being. Is that true? No. Thank you. Good. <laughs> this makes me feel good. <laughs> As a priest, like, good, 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 good. The Holy Spirit is not a personal being. That's, this is what was discovered. 60% agreed with this. The Holy Spirit is not a personal being. As a Christian... Given the Holy Spirit, he who dwells within us. Paul is very clear about this. The church is clear about this. The Holy Spirit dwells within us. He who moves us, convicts us, heals us, consoles us, who brings Christ to us. This is one of the Holy Trinity. This is not a force. This is God himself within us, empowering us, enabling us to do these things, to get on that cross that has been given to us and die to ourselves so that we can be resurrected. We see this in the life of St. Cyprian, who was a great high priest of paganism. He consorted with demons. He summoned them. He asked for them to do things, and he thought he was doing pretty well. He was living off the wisdom that he received. 
There's a fellow, a friend of his, who was very desirous of a woman who happened to be a Christian woman. And he wanted her to give something that she could not give to him. So he goes to Cyprian and he says, please, you know, do some kind of potion, do some kind of summoning, do something to affect Justina. So Cyprian summons up all the stuff that he can. So he, he puts a target on Justina's back specifically to uh, inflame her passions. She makes the sign of the cross, invokes the Trinity, and she is not bothered by this assault. Over time, Cyprian realizes he's actually powerless for all of the promises, all of the wisdom of the world, and let's go beyond that, to the underworld. All that he had, and it was powerful in a certain sense, but before the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, he had nothing. Saint Cyprian, you can tell there's already a trajectory to the story. <laughs> Saint Cyprian puts it all away. Not only does he put it all away, he eventually becomes a bishop of the area, and he converts so many people in his diocese where he lived Though no longer was there pagan sacrifice because he rejected the wisdom of the world, the mere wisdom of the world, inflected, infected with demons. And he gave it over to the divine wisdom that comes from the teachings of our Lord, God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Dogma matters. Because dogma, the teachings of the church, protect the life-giving reality of God. Jesus is not created. Jesus is God. Jesus is someone who gives us the reward, who makes us sons of the Most High. It is the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, not an impersonal force, who empowers us to actually live and be like Christ, to love, to do good, and to lend even to our enemies, most especially to our enemies. If we do not believe that Jesus Christ is God, what hope do we have? Who has saved us? Let us thank God for the salvation we have in Jesus Christ, that God himself became one of us, suffered like one of us, but being God was risen in the power of the Holy Spirit to give us a path to heaven, to make us sons of the Most High, to give to us the Holy Spirit, to guide, convict, convict, console, and to, in the end, raise us up to sit with him in the heavenly places. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.